2: Go behind the scenes and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun
0: wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff I Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by
1: Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on Select Next Gen Alienware Gaming Tech.
2: New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor, featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional
0: audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential.
1: Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on Select Gaming Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather
2: than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and... Nada, yada, yada.
1: You don't take yada, yada in life. Don't take yada, yada from your wireless provider.
2: Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada.
0: Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
3: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now. Or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is time for our weekly listener mail segment, and we have some doozies uh, for you today, folks. Before we begin, though, I would like to to put out a, a very special thank you to everybody who responded with clarification on our uh previous last week's Strange News, where we talked a little bit about ghost guns. Uh thank you for everybody who took the time to write in with those clarifications. Uh we look for we always look forward to this because uh, this these kinds of messages are uh, mission critical to our show and more importantly uh they're helpful to your fellow conspiracy realists so uh please look forward to uh episode that's going to be coming out in a few weeks yeah days uh, for weeks sure. uh called the rise of ghost guns
1: yeah and I would just say personally um you know, I listened back to a few parts of that, and I can see where the criticism was coming from on my part. So I just want to say, we hear you, I hear you, and um, we're we're going to address some of those things. Matt, what did you do? I would just say, on my part, what I did, Noel, was I, I think I may have conflated a little bit of my story with Ben's story, maybe too much. So that's on me. Um, and it di- I didn't mean to do that. I think it was overall confusing, so... I see,
2: and yeah. as usual, I was out of my mind on ether. Uh, which... <laughs> typical <laughs> Ben. Typical, typical, uh, typical. Uh, uh, I got. I got
0: to ask the guys. I, I, yeah. I've heard a little bit about ghost guns just in the news recently, and how it was the first time I'd heard the term. I think because it was coming up, uh, you know, in the wake of some of these recent mass shootings, uh, in terms of like, here's a thing that we can make illegal, right? And probably would be an easy fix at least for that type of thing there's probably a lot more to be done but that certainly seems like one that's problematic but it reminds me of the movie oh I think it's called in the line of fire yes where, John uh, Malkovich. Clint, yeah yeah just, yeah where Clint Eastwood plays uh a uh FBI or a CIA agent who was protecting John F. Kennedy and you know like failed and then in the modern day he's like a grizzled kind of bitter old man you know Clint Eastwood, um, and John Malkovich plays this, like, genius assassin who has this, like, plastic composite gun that he, you know, can sneak through security, and then he hides the bullet in a lucky rabbit's foot. I don't think that's the same as ghost guns, but I kind of—that's what I always think of when I hear that. Jeez, spoilers, No,
2: Well, it's—, it's <laughs> Sorry, You guys. mean a spoiler on Clint Eastwood's range? <laughs> oh. okay. Gri- do you want him as grizzled or extra grizzled? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's— it is. It's like going, uh, well, uh, he's a great American actor and uh, director. And, Grand and a Turismo. great American.
0: Let's just leave it at that.
2: Well, I've never met him. But Gran Torino is a fantastic film. Get off my uh, lawn, Ben. Get off my lawn. So, so yes, thank you. We do, as we said, read every email. We get to every piece of correspondence. Uh, they're important to us because your time is important. You have taken the time. To reach out to us and in that way to reach out to your fellow listeners. So the least that we can do is gratefully take the time to hear you and hear what you have to say. With that in mind, uh, today we're going to uh, hear from we're going to hear from several of our fellow conspiracy realists. And I've got to say, you know, no. Knowing who we're going to be, you know, vicariously speaking with today, I think uh, I think the correspondent that you chose has my favorite name because they're the only one who, like, picked a nickname.
1: Uh, uh, that's not true, though. There's two in there this week. Really? Oh. We have
0: been getting some doozy nicknames, so I guess you, uh, you would like me to, to, to go first. I am absolutely fine with this. Uh, my uh, listener mail comes from someone who very specifically asked not to be named by name, uh, but signed this email. I'm just going to read the email and then do the sign off because you really need to hear the content before you understand the meaning of the nickname. Uh, and it goes a little something like this. Hi, guys. Thanks for all the quality entertainment this past year. I was wondering if you could touch upon the possibility of fur farms in China not labs being the source of covid-19 and variants uh it seems to me that this is the most likely source for the outbreak and china is the current world leader in mink fur best concerned mink
1: ah uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: concerned me <laughs> concerned <laughs> mink a concerned mink M- minks? Oh, it's oh, a, yeah. uh, it means it say yeah i i I completely agree. And minks to me always kind of have the appearance of being concerned because it turns out they're good for a lot of things, Uh, not just making mink coats, which I thought fur had really fallen out of fashion, even with like the high end, you know, uh, bespoke fashion lines. It seems like sort of a no, no, right? Like, don't you get red paint thrown on you if you walk uh, down the street in a fur coat or a mink stole?
2: Uh, well, it depends on where you go, because we have, you know, a, a lot of different parts of the world have different opinions about not just animal rights, but also what does or does not qualify as like high fashion versus something gauche. So the fur industry, at least pre-pandemic, uh, the, the fur industry was still doing pretty well. There are always going to be moves to uh, – prevent that practice of growing animals and slaughtering them for fur. But there is a lot of money to be made. There's more money to be made selling those coats than there is to stop selling them as cold as that sounds. Would you guys agree?
0: No, I I would. And to your point, Ben, in terms of cultural, uh, you know, mileage may vary situations in terms of uh, opinions on fur. I mean, that's true of like what would or would not be considered food you know, like, you know, for in some Asian countries, like dogs are, are slaughtered pretty regularly um, for for meat. Uh, and that is very much the case with fur as well. Um, in China, the main species that are harvested for their fur are mink, fox and uh, raccoon dog. Um, and respectively, uh, according to a fabulous article that uh, the concerned mink sent us on the conversation, 21, 17 and 12 million respective animals slaughtered uh, each year. Uh, And that's from 2018. So that would be 21 million mink by far the largest number um, in that, in that group of most popular uh, animals to harvest for their fur. And, as we know, in, in many situations, like with these wet markets that we've heard so much about, there isn't as much environmental, humanitarian, or even sanitary oversight over some of these facilities in uh, Asian countries, in China in particular. And because of that, it does lead to some situations that could result in um, viruses being spread. Uh, unexpectedly, um, especially when there's like a new you know variant of one, because it turns out that minks, which are referred to as mustelids, have you guys heard of this? Yeah, m u m u s t e l i d s. I'd never heard that word before. Are susceptible to the SARS uh, CoV two virus, um which is which is the coronavirus. um And there's you know more sciencey specifics in this article if you want to get more into the minutia of it, but it makes a pretty good case as to how this could have uh, resulted from an unchecked mink farming operation rather than specifically that wet market. Uh, and its um, it has to do with the fact that, as we know, um, the coronavirus is a zoonotic disease. It can bounce from an animal to a different species like a human. And that's what makes it particularly dangerous and easy to spread.
2: And this also means to be clear that animals can spread uh, this infection to one another humans, of course, is the part we focus on. But uh, mustelids are it's it's an umbrella term. It's a family of everything from uh, otters to mm-hmm. wolverines to badgers. Ferrets, I imagine. Oh, badgers. My mm-hmm. heavens. That's... And Martins as well. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, concerned mink is raising a, a very important point. It's something that other places have speculated um About in the West, like National Geographic also did an article where they asked whether there was a missing link in these fur farms. And honestly, to steal a line from our buddy Niels, uh, the thing about the origin and spread of covid-19 is that at this point. It's such a recent and ongoing event that there is still a lot of questions people are trying to answer. And asking those questions does not necessarily make you, uh, you know, the next candidate for a tinfoil hat. I think a lot of people actually, you know what a, a lot of people might not remember. Uh, they, there's maybe this stereotype that's wrapped up in a little bit of latent racism uh, that sa- that makes people assume that China is the world's number one exporter of uh, of mink in specific. That's not true. It's Denmark. And that's why, like, not too long ago, they slaughtered 15 to 17 million minks uh, because some had tested positive for a variant of coronavirus. I mean, it's a really, it's a very real concern. Like you were saying, Noel, uh, these animals are vulnerable to this and they can spread it to humans. So even if the origin of COVID is, in uh, mustelids was, uh, you know, attributable to what scientists currently believe it's attributable to, Uh, that doesn't mean that it couldn't have made that leap uh, from someone working in one of these fur farms.
0: That's right. And um, it's interesting because a, a study, a recent study showed that, in fact, Quite a few species are susceptible to SARS-CoV-2, including primates and other carnivores. Um, But the authors of the study, uh, and again, this is from this uh, article in the conversation, want to make it clear to not over interpret these types of predictions and use it as a, a means of spreading kind of alarmism, but also just, you know, kind of be aware. Uh, it said specifically the quote is uh, they wanted to stress the importance of avoiding over-interpreting the predictions put forward and point out that the experimental and observational data in the field are required. So it's like, okay, yes, we know that these animals are susceptible, but we need to actually track you know, the spread of this through these uh, these various animal communities before, you know, rushing to judgment and, and thinking this is definitely what it's all about. Um, but whatever the case might be, overall, infectious diseases, they are up significantly uh, from the mid-20th century. And they're particularly um, prevalent in parts of the world that are, uh, let's just say... Affected by the human race, um, you know, where man is kind of bulldozing natural areas um, and limiting animal biodiversity, let's just say, and capturing wild animals. And that's why I think uh, the wet market was such a target is because that is. A hotspot or a hub where there's tons of different species all kind of commingling, sometimes in cages right on top of each other. We've talked about this in, in some of our COVID nineteen episodes, uh, and that can lead to to the spread of, of of these these diseases.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's that's the thing that I think a lot of people need to understand. There's a nuance here. So yes, the World Health Organization concluded that the odds of a lab manufactured origin of COVID are very, very low. It's highly unlikely that that happened, but there are still these very serious unanswered questions about exactly when, where, and uh, how SARS uh, or COVID-19 first got into human beings, how it made the leap. And one thing that could happen, I would I would argue, and I think uh, – This goes to your question concerned me Uh, one one thing that could easily have happened and actually probably did happen is uh, that wet markets or uh, regions where people were interacting with wild animals became these cluster like these secondary clusters. So an additional explosion, right? That further gassed up the spread of the infection Um, saying that, a human being was infected by COVID-19 at a wet market or at a fur factory or something like that is not the same thing as saying that is definitely the origin. But looking at the math, looking at the science, looking at the vectors, it had to have happened. It had to have been spreading. And then, yes, it's terrible for the business to have to destroy a bunch of minks like Denmark did, but what what other choice are you going to have? What are you going to tell somebody who is wait, desperately hoping and praying that their dying relative can get a ventilator? Are you going to tell them, "Sorry, I'm a, I'm a coat man"?
1: Just want to reiterate here that no matter what you believe the origins are of this pandemic, you know COVID nineteen and all of this, the best experts appointed by the WHO by all of these organizations that you may not even necessarily trust, all are saying that we don't have the full answers. We have most likely probabilities essentially based on what we have found, what we can prove. So, you know, if you're feeling, if you're still feeling a little weird about it, that's okay. But you know, just remember that nobody knows right now, but we're, we're still trying to track it down.
0: That's exactly right. And uh, all of this, Anti-Asian sentiment, you know, and the rhetoric around it and the actual actions that has led to uh, in certain members of the population um, is just heartbreaking because it's, you know, whatever the case might be, if there are conditions that might make these markets and, and these types of uh, factories and or factory farming situations more susceptible to spreading these kinds of viruses, is certainly of no fault of the, you know, individual human beings that live in that country. Um, so that kind of misplaced anger just really boggles my mind. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about this type of disease, this zoonotic virus is it can be trap. It can travel both ways. Like humans can get animals sick with it as well. We have had cases. I think you guys might remember there was a tiger. Uh, I think it was in the Detroit zoo, but I might be wrong. Uh, There've been cases of uh, found in domestic cats and dogs uh, and, and also there's a cat captive lions, I believe, uh, and farmed minks and gorillas where it's humans that are actually giving the disease to the animal or the, the virus to the animals. And that's called reverse zoonosis. And was a tiger mink, in the Bronx Zoo. That's exactly right. I knew it was a bee thing. Um, I said, D, I said Detroit. I'm just wrong, Matt. You got me. Um, it, uh, and, and this is particularly true of these mustlets. Uh, or or mueslids, however the the pronunciation goes um and I think this is something that is potentially of concern to China's economy because you know this uh this fur farming industry is is quite a lucrative operation, you know, and and it accounts for quite a bit of of income for the economy. And there are uh, discussions being had as to whether more oversight needs to be brought to it or whether it needs to be shut down or certain operations need to be shut down. So it's something to kind of keep an eye on, but I'm sure that it is uh, making some proprietors of these uh, facilities pretty nervous.
1: Let's just plant more hemp, guys. Let's make more hemp clothes and get rid of the fur. Let's do it. It's I'm a shame you, you can't
2: plant ether. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what?
0: guys. I was off huffing. You monster. Um, <laughs> it's got an ether farm up in the, up <laughs> in the
1: foothills. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, we can keep this one short. I think, we, you know, because again, I think people are kind of getting COVID fatigue at this point. But I do think this is an interesting development uh, and something to keep an eye on. So thank you to Concerned Mink uh, for passing this one along to us. And we're going to take a quick sponsor break and be right back with more strange news.
2: Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises.
2: Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed?
0: Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had, like, put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to, like, go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying.
1: Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider.
2: Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and yada 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 helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
4: Step into the world of power, loyalty,
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call upon you to
0: do
4: a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
4: You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And
1: we're back. But without any kind of introduction, let's just listen to the message left to us by our good friend, Mal. Hey, guys. Um, I just thought I had an interesting thing for your um, strange news podcast, uh, which I love, by the way. Uh, it's a bit old. A couple of weeks ago, here in Vancouver, um, in BC, a couple of, or three actually, Masonic Hulls got burnt down by one guy. I haven't really looked into, into his. Motive. I can't really find much on why he did it or anything. If he was a, a Freemason or whatever, but um, I thought if you could find anything out or if you have any discussion points on that, it would be pretty interesting. Um, you can use my voice on the on the podcast if you if you want to. Um, you can refer to me as Mal Reynolds. That's not my name, but I'm a big Firefly fan. Thanks, guys. Love your work. See you later.
2: Now I see what you're saying. Uh, now now I see what you're saying, Matt, about that nickname. Oh.
1: I thought it'd be more fun if you discovered it. <laughs> you were right. Thank you for that moment. <laughs> Call me Mal Reynolds. That's uh oh, one of my favorite characters ever put to the screen. Or the small one, or the we played it on the, a big one yeah, in my house. The, yeah.
2: So the movie, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is something that I I definitely I was not aware of this. This is pretty troubling.
1: I saw one little news segment on it flash past the r slash news reddit subreddit and uh, clicked on it looked for a second but there was no information of what was going on when I first looked at it this is again as Mal said several weeks ago and actually it was a while ago now at this point but um, I don't know I figured we'd at least discuss and I found a few other stories that I want to mention before we uh, finish this whole section here so let's start with the most recent fires that were occurring in Masonic lodges in Vancouver. And this is around March, like late March of 2021 when this is occurring. So first I'm going to jump to a vice news article. It is titled police investigating arsons after three Masonic temples in Vancouver set on fire. And as you go through this, um, you can see that there are a few places, the Masonic Lynn Valley lodge in North Vancouver, There was a fire there early, early in the morning, around 6.45. Then 15 minutes later, they were at another lodge, this time Duke of Connaught Lodge, number 64. Then 15 minutes after that. So we're talking one, two, three, within the span of 45 minutes. uh, 15 minutes later, 12 kilometers away, Park Lodge Masonic Center went up in flames. But this one wasn't, that third one wasn't damaged quite as much as the others. So... Obviously, right off the bat, if you're an investigator or if you're, you know, someone working, uh, you're a fire person and you're responding to these things, you're on a rescue team or something, something's wrong, right? You're getting all of these emergency calls coming in. You realize, okay, there's a targeting that's happening here. Very quickly, though, one man was picked up and at least according to the story, he was seen walking away from one of the scenes by a few witnesses. So. CBC reported, and I'm going to jump over to an article from them. It is titled alleged arsonist arrested after three fires at Masonic lodges in Metro Vancouver area. And I'm going to read directly from this article it says the arrest came after an off-duty police officer driving past one of these Masonic temples uh, that had been targeted. He noticed a man walking away from the building as it burned. And uh, he was like, Hmm, that's interesting. And you can actually see video. I wasn't able to locate this exact video that's referenced here, but there's a video allegedly that shows one of the temples on fire. This alleged person is walking away, carrying what they call a jerry can. So like a gasoline canister. And you think, Oh, likely suspect bits us. And in that occurrence, a man got away, but he, they ended up catching up to him and they put him under arrest. And you can only imagine how many more of these fires would have occurred if this person didn't get arrested pretty quickly. Because again, three fires in 45 minutes, that's efficient and uh, someone on a mission.
2: And just like that Dre and Eminem song, I believe he was caught literally holding a can full of gas.
1: There you go. It's exactly like that Dre song. Is Eminem in that one? Yeah, yeah. Can't fully yeah.
2: gas a handful of matches, still wasn't found out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's true, and, and that was, was really good, man. No, it was. Uh, but thank you. But I, I, I'm i just saying that because if it sounds like something that doesn't usually happen in real life, he was found literally holding a can. And one thing that uh, may be familiar to our listeners in Vancouver that is uh, pretty depressing, I think, to some of us, is that we know this guy's name, and I hate to say it, but he is a Ben. He is a fellow Ben. I apologize on behalf of everybody for Benjamin Coleman. I have a plot twist for you, Matt, Noel, and Doc. If you check the chat, first off, uh, I found his Facebook page. And, you really did? hmm because Ben's are tight like that. And I, well, we have a Ben sense. And uh, the w- legally, we have to say this guy has not been convicted of anything yet, mm-hmm. right? But I would draw your attention to a post he made on March 30th, or at least this Facebook page. I think it's him. I think it's him. But uh, I don't have hard confirmation yet. Just a lot of things seem to indicate this is the guy's personal page. On March 30th, he posted publicly, quote, I just cleaned three satanic clubhouses and nobody could do
1: anything. (laughs) Whoa! Oh, my goodness. He cleaned them. Actually, that quote is referenced by Victoria News, Ben, so I think you're right on the money.
2: So I guess it must be him, you know, and it's it's a lesson (laughs) in OPSEC, if nothing else.
1: That was made on the day of the fires, too.
2: Which is a shame. Do we know much about his uh, motivation? I, I believe that journalists found he had been pretty deep into some anti-masonic theories
1: earlier. In yes, in the Victoria News, they've posted an article that says online posts appear to link alleged arsonists to Masonic hall fires in Metro Vancouver, and it goes into a few other things. Like they're just saying he has a plethora, quote, plethora of other conspiracy theory posts questioning everything from five G. To the moon landing, to whether the Earth is round—is <gasps> he a flat Earther? Ooh,
0: it interesting. Maybe. May uh, and nah, that was a very sexy ooh. You just did
1: this thing. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry, ooh. I didn't mean to.
2: Very quiet storm.
1: That uh, was yeah. for our caller from Oh, weeks boy. Ago.
2: <laughs> oh man, but yeah, you—you know—the—the the thing that stands out about this is. First off, believing in something that most of the other people on the planet don't believe in doesn't necessarily mean you are mentally ill. No, but, no, no. But these sort of actions are indicative of uh, at least some sort of instability, right? Unless there's something some other intervening variable of which we're not aware, like maybe personal abuse by someone who in his childhood by someone who became a mason, maybe you know, that's that's just an example. But there are any number of things that can function as a tipping point or a threshold for these sorts of falling down moments. I'm referencing
1: the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that is a great, well, film for me.
2: So what happens now? He's in custody. You also said there was something else to the story with Masonic Halls before this occurred.
1: I, I, I did, and I'm going to do this so fast, Ben. Uh, this guy we didn't mention— he was there. We, we mentioned that he was seen carrying a jerry can. He ended up getting in a fight with a police officer, an RCMP <laughs> officer. So he's been charged with one count of arson, the one that they saw him at, and assaulting an officer of the law. So that's what's happening right now with Ben, other Ben, this guy, Coleman. And uh, there's going to be more to the story, but right now we don't have much more to report there. What I would draw your attention to, if you go to Freemasons for Dummies... If anyone remembers the book Freemasons for Dummies, it's fantastic. I would recommend it. Um, This is just a blog spot, I guess, dedicated to this book series. And there's just a small little post there from 2020, June 2020. There's an Oklahoma Masonic Hall that got hit by arson. And then I started going down a rabbit hole of seeing all of these cases of arson at Masonic halls and other Masonic temples and places of, you know, just meeting places, places of worship. Fascinating how they've been targeted over over the years that the internet has been popular. And the earliest, craziest thing I saw comes from 1995. And this comes out of Manchester, New Hampshire. It's an AP news story. We're not going to go fully into this story, but this is something you can look up and something that I want to do maybe a bigger story on. Feels like there's a rabbit hole here. Title of the article is Masons Rocked by Embezzlement, Death Threats, Firebombs, Murder. murder. (laughs) And it opens with a man who was found dead in his burning house who was uncovering a series of embezzlement cases at his own Masonic Lodge, right?
0: Uh Sounds like the plot of like an episode of uh, some sort of procedural crime show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's make a whole other podcast, guys, or let's do a whole episode on it. It feels really great to me. Uh, There's lots of stuff to look up. So anyway, we'll leave you there. Thanks so much, Mal Reynolds. Uh, We are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back.
2: Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada.
1: That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis
2: and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then... You found yourself subscribed?
0: Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying.
1: Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has
2: no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most.
0: Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.
4: Okay, round two.
0: Name something that's not boring
1: laundry oh a book club
2: computer solitaire huh
4: Ah, oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no you're ready for a comeback and with purdue global
2: And we have returned. Uh, We did not come alone here. Uh, We're coming along with Dan. Uh, Dan, here's what you said. Hello, guys. Absolutely love the show. You guys do an amazing job. I love the riffing. Thank you for buttering us up there, Dan. Uh, I just listened to an episode of The Journal podcast by Wall Street Journal that discussed, get this, guys, Elon Musk's SpaceX complex in Boca Chica, Texas, a mind-blowing story. Whoa,
1: sto- was that a verse? Wow. That's all Dan.
2: You know, little known fact, Dan is a ghostwriter for both Dr. Dre and Eminem. Uh, he, describes, he describes this, uh, the story as the following, uh, quote, a mind-blowing story of SpaceX coming to town and taking over. The next step. He says, is incorporation of the town and potentially seizing the last remnants of property through eminent domain. Looks like they are a few steps ahead of Blockchain's LLC in Nevada, or Nevada, sorry, everyone, uh, at creating a corporate autonomous government. Give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Maybe worth a listener mail or strange news discussion. Dan, I had not heard anything about this. Had you guys heard about this? Not at all. Nope. I was aware of, you know, we, we were aware of the legislation with innovation zones, which got, you know, jammed up after public criticism. Uh, but the story of SpaceX without being alarmist, well, the story of Boca Chica really is, uh, is troubling. Residents are facing pressure from local officials in the, you know, in the, in the government and uh, from operators in SpaceX to sell their property. Right now, as of last week, SpaceX has purchased more than 100 parcels of land in the area. This is public record. This has been confirmed. And it mostly uses that land to house SpaceX employees. But then several other residents are saying, when they were speaking with Wall Street Journal, they are saying SpaceX had come to them time and time again trying to buy their property, and they're worried things might get ugly for the people who refuse to sell their property homesteads this happens all the time right it happens all the time for uh, for a company moving in to try to buy up somebody's land right like a walmart's being built someone comes in and says our footprint is going to have to be this many acres we need to buy up this much stuff around it right and that's not necessarily nefarious that's how business works but the issue here uh is one of um Maybe mission creep, you could call it, because how, like, to, at what threshold does something become a company town? We talked about the blockchain's LLC proposal. We've also talked about the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is probably the most successful version of a corporate uh, or a company town, and that is owned by the Big Mouse. So everybody be kind, don't get us sued into the ground. But here's where we're at right now in Boca Chica Village, there in Texas. Would you care to guess, you guys probably already know, but would you care to guess how many people live there that are not connected to SpaceX? Zero. Seven? You guys are both, like, I know we're going low, but you're so close. It's amazing. About 14 people.
1: Oh, Matt, you win. Seven homes, two people each? Uh, <laughs>
2: I, yeah, I, so there, there are these stories that are coming out And uh, one of them comes from a local named Celia Johnson. She told the journal that she started having issues with employees of SpaceX when she rejected their attempt to buy two of her houses or two of her properties, rather, that were near the launch site. And then uh, a a huge water tank, like a 1,600-gallon water tank on one of her homes, which was a rental, vanished in 2019. And then she came back and she thought the SpaceX folks stole it. And then she came back and she found that someone had vandalized her house someone shattered it with a brick, had been sleeping there. Uh, She and her neighbors accused SpaceX workers of crashing there, which honestly, that that seems a little far-fetched. Or I should say there's no proof of that, but you can tell there's underlying tension. The company denied all responsibility, but they did reimburse her for the tank and the damage to the house. Oh. So, so the locals are saying that they're getting, they're getting bullied by a large corporation. And, um, you know, it's weird because I was thinking of our experience, you know, Doc, Noel, Matt, and I all live roughly in the same area of Atlanta Metro. So you guys have probably gotten those weird Maybe a text or something in your mailbox that says, love your home, would like to buy it now. I buy houses. Stuff like that. Have you guys gotten those?
1: Oh, so many voicemails like that. Unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't own a house
0: currently, but uh, I know plenty of folks that do who get solicited. all the- In fact, that's not true. At a house that I rented, we would often get uh, pieces of mail. Um, or, or even like uh, flyers taped to the door, uh, you know, attention to our landlord.
2: Oh so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's funny too because I I've been in the same boat as you know, uh, or where I would get those and it would trigger just a many existential. What am I doing with my life? Exactly. Crisis. <laughs> totally. One hundred percent. It's like. Because there have been points in my life where I get one of those wild cold calls or a message or, like you said, something taped on the door, thrown on the porch. And it may as well have been saying, I'm interested in buying your Rolls Royce. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. I felt broke when I woke up today. And you're just making it worse.
1: It's but, on your 93 Tercel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on my 93 Tercel.
2: Uh, so you nailed it. That was a perfect card joke. So in in this case, though, it's different because what we're talking about in our experience in Atlanta is usually going to be uh, what are known as house flippers. And so they mean to buy a house, maybe do some renovation on it, and then sell it for a profit. There's nothing wrong or illegal about that. Uh, but what's happening here is that a company is using a tremendous amount of financial muscle to maybe force people into doing things that they ordinarily wouldn't do. Two other locals, uh, Mary and Harvey Bloomer— Uh, said that they got an email back in September 2020 offering them a little south of $150,000 for their home, and it came with a warning. It was from the director of finance, David Finley, and he said, your property will frequently fall into a hazard zone in which no civilian would be permitted to remain. So they're like, buy it because otherwise a rocket might explode on you. Just saying.
1: (laughs) Jesus.
2: Just saying. Just saying. Accidents happen. And this has happened to other folks, uh, other residents. Uh, You can read the full article. I do recommend the podcast and thanks to Dan for hipping us to that. Uh, Some uh, residents have found that they are getting what are called non-negotiable deals and then additional offers. They're really getting the hard sell and then, to compound the problem, residents are claiming that they think county officials might be in SpaceX's pocket, like that they are also working with SpaceX to get these folks out of their homes or off their properties. And honestly, that's not, that's not implausible, because if you think of the tremendous economic boom spacex is bringing to this to this town it very well could be a, a bit of a um, devil's bargain arguably not as bad as say a prison that gets constructed in a town that desperately needs employment but still you know these people bought their houses because they weren't planning to move that's why they're not yeah.
1: renting. yeah but uh, it's so messed up to do the cold calculus of um, i would i don't even know if Elon Musk himself would be making these decisions or looking at the actual numbers, maybe. Um, but the team of experts goes, oh, okay, so we've got we got seven to 14 houses that are currently being occupied that we need to get rid of, get rid of those people. And then, then on the other side, the government is thinking, or whoever is representing the group here, well, if those houses are gone, but we have residential... Areas for all of these other employees, that's going to number in the hundreds. And they're all buying food locally, with taxes plus sales tax, property tax. <gasps> we could make a lot more money with the SpaceX's employees.
2: <laughs> right. And there's, you know, there is honestly a little bit of a, a long term investment slash greater good argument. The Boca Raton or Boca Chica, the community is overseen by the government of Cameron County, uh, and they have raised their county appraisals of the values of homes. In one case, a home was worth thirty four thousand four hundred seventy three dollars when SpaceX made its first offer uh, and then. Just uh, just late, a little bit later in 2021, the appraisal shot up to 141,573 dollars. Homeowners in the audience, that sounds pretty awesome, right? Especially um, everybody remembers 2008. <laughs>
1: Screw SpaceX. I'm moving to Boca Chica. I can afford a house there. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. We
2: do live in a metro area, but but also you know they may be attempt. They may be just doing a hard calculation of value because of what they're predicting about the economy and uh, property prices in the future. Uh, but Texas also this area especially really doesn't want to lose. Uh, SpaceX. You know what I mean? It's a prestigious thing for a state to have. Uh, Texas already gave 20 million in incentives for the company to expand in Texas. And Elon Musk is interesting. Back in March, he went on Twitter and pledged to donate 20 million dollars to Cameron County schools specifically and 10 million dollars to revitalize the downtown area of the county's largest city, Brownsville. And this is before he was on SNL. I don't know why I added that. I just
1: remember. Did you guys see him on SNL? I did. I saw him on SNL. You, you said you were uh, okay with it. I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, Chill. Just <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was good. It was funny, man. I'm sorry. He, he's got a stilted delivery. Did you hear what he said? Like He, was the, he said he was the first person with Asperger's to host admitted on stage, at least the first person to admit it. That's what he said. That was his joke. Fair.
0: It was funny though. I was reading up about it and, on the Instagram account for SNL, I believe, like all of the the, the um, comments were very negative towards him before the show aired, and then when he came out and said that thing about having Asperger's, it immediately all turned very positive, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting considering that people are just so afraid of being canceled uh, or, or seen as being ableist in some way that they can like spew all this venom about a guy, and then one little thing, well, it was oh, we actually we we, we, we loved him all along.
2: Um, Psych, anyway. yeah,
1: well, whatever. Pete Davidson has a recurring character that they produced an incredible like digital yes. short for, yeah. I mean, Chad. some of the stuff they can turn around in just a few days with visual effects. I'm like so impressed with that team. I don't know, whatever,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's it's. a great operation. I think Weekend Update is killing it. Uh, Murder Durder was a great <laughs> sketch. Check that one out if you haven't seen it. Um, We're just shouting out because uh, I think we all, you know, watched uh, watched SNL, and we were interested to see what this person, one of the world's wealthiest people, would actually do. So SNL aside, here's where we're at to sew up the story of Boca Chica as it stands now. According to the laws of Texas, to incorporate this village— SpaceX would have to prove to the state that more than 200 people live in the area. It would have to get a majority vote from that area. And then there's a lot of if thens here. And then if those two steps are successful, then the officials of SpaceX could secure the power of eminent domain. Eminent domain is the epitome of greater good. Right, eminent domain is what happens when you lose uh, several feet or of your front yard because a road needs to be widened. Eminent domain is saying that the um, your local government has certain powers uh, that it can use uh, to, you know, take your property or to make certain alterations in the interest of the greater community, and that kind of that kind of stuff is a necessary evil. It does have to exist uh, in many cases. But the fear here for the non-SpaceX residents of the community is that this imminent domain could be used to eject the last people who are still holding out and then allow SpaceX to build a modern-day company town. With that in mind, I do want to say the long-term goal here is to get off this planet and go into the stars go deep into the galactic ink uh, is it worth it it really depends on on who you ask just like our problem with uh, just like our question rather about um, mink and fur farms and the spread of covid uh, at this point uh, we're going to keep an eye on this thank you so much to Dan for hipping us to this story, thank you to Mal for at the very least reminding us to rewatch Firefly. It holds up. It holds up. If you've somehow never seen it, watch
1: it tonight. <laughs> it, uh, In Starbase, Texas, at your Airbnb,
2: mm-hmm. and we hope you keep an ear out for an upcoming episode on Masonic uh, Masonic lodges and what's going on with the violence against them. Uh, also, keep an eye out for our uh, keep an ear out for our ghost guns episode. As always, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about these things. I'm particularly interested, um, Noel, in in what's going to come out, the emergent news about the origin of COVID-19, which we're still tracing, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see if, exactly right, Ben, if it does get traced somewhere other than that wet market, or maybe it was a combination. Who knows? Uh, these animals get around. I can imagine that the types of animals that uh, are bought and sold at wet markets could also end up in mink farm situation. I don't know. Just, 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 I'm speculating here, but also, interested to see how this industry
2: will be impacted. So give us your take. Fellow conspiracy realist. we'll be back with more listener mail next week. In the meantime, if you would like to take a digital page from the book of Concerned Mink of Mal and Dan, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we make it easy to find us online.
1: We're Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter and Facebook. And on Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you would like, you could maybe give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. That would be wonderful. We would very much appreciate it, and it would help our show a great deal. So if you have a moment, please take a chance and do that. If you don't want to do that hey, guess what? We've got a phone number.
0: That's right. It's 1-833-STDWYTK. You can leave a message at the sound of Ben's dulcet tones. Uh, Try to keep it within that allotted three minutes and let us know what your name is, what to call you, and if it's okay to use your voice on air and you might well hear yourself on one of our weekly listener mail episodes.
2: And if none of that quite launches your spaceship, you can always reach out to us directly. No social media, no telephone, just our good old-fashioned email address available 24 hours a day, 7 days
1: a week, where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids download the zigazoo app today
0: infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city